0: Hello, I'm Dr. Vicki Peterson. Welcome to my podcast. This is podcast number two. I'm really excited to share with you a bit about my story and my purpose for this podcast. And I have three things. And the first one is to bring value to your life because I want to provide easy to understand health education that you can, you know, really implement. And, and make a huge difference in your life every day. And health education can be complicated and confusing. And I, and what I want to bring is value and simplicity. So that was number one. And then I really want to improve your health by giving you these easy tools that you can utilize and realize it doesn't have to be complicated. And there are some true basics that you can bring to your life every day that will truly impact your health in major ways. And lastly, I want to inspire you to take back your health and not put up with anything less than ideal energy, ideal weight, uh, ideal mental clarity, uh, because we're given some really interesting messages about our health in this country, and I disagree with a lot of that. I want you to get everything you want from your life and not have your body get in the way Of your dreams and your aspirations. Too often, I'll tell you my story in a minute, but too often we're just told, well, that's the way you are, and this is the best you're gonna be. And what do you expect? You're a mom. What do you expect? You're a dad. What do you expect? You work full time. Well, you know what you expect? You expect to feel great (laughs) because these bodies are amazing. They're very strong, they're very resilient, and they're designed to function optimally. And you don't have to put up with anything less than that. And so from that's the viewpoint I want you to have and realize you can reclaim amazing health. And I'm going to help hold your hand through that adventure. So, um, my story is that I started out really ill in life and, um, I had a lot of fatigue, so I was this tired kid. I got sick a lot. I had a strep throat like every couple of months, which I just remembered literally sitting here. I tell my story so often, but I forgot about the strep throat (laughs) until right this second. I used to get such low blood sugar, I would pass out on the floor. I had migraines two to three times a month, and when I wasn't having a migraine, I had what I called my regular headache because I always had a headache. Literally every day of my life, I had a headache, and it was either a migraine or or less than that, which I called my regular headache. And um, as I went through puberty, I had a lot of hormonal imbalance. I mean, I used to get such horrible menstrual cramps that. I just remember distinctly in college, just lying there, you know, moaning, thinking, gosh, you know, how much worse could labor be than this? And then, you know, proceeded to have three children. I went, oh, I was in labor every month of my life. <laughs> so really built a strong pain tolerance. But anyway, wouldn't recommend that. So I had a lot of problems. And my mother was exactly the same way. She had migraines. She used to pass out from low blood sugar, on and on. So we were clones of one another. So, of course, you're not surprised to hear that my pediatrician told me, well, it's genetic. Your mother's this way, you're this way, there's nothing we can do. And I wanted to call BS on that genetic card, even though I was still pretty young, because it just, well, first of all, I didn't like the idea of becoming my mom as far as her health status was concerned, because she was a mess all the time, and so that wasn't very exciting to look forward to. But I just felt like there was... There was another way <laughs> I hoped there was another way, so um you know, as a kid i I was probably age ten when I decided that I wanted to uh, become a medical doctor. I wanted to be a pediatrician. I loved children, they seemed to like me, I babysat a lot, and you know as I got into like you know age twelve, thirteen, fourteen, i was you know babysat a lot in the neighborhood, and you know, kids seemed to like me, and I liked them, and I thought nothing could be better than being a doctor and taking care of children. So I wanted to become a pediatrician. I was also, um, a ballet dancer and then a figure skater throughout childhood and, um, actually gained a, a U.S. gold medal for, for figure skating, sort of a, a level of excellence. And, um, but my low back pain actually took me out of my career. It it prematurely ended my career because um, I had such terrible low back pain and nobody could figure it out. And uh, yeah, that was that. Turned out I have a genetic defect, but we'll talk about that maybe later. So I um, ended my career around age 16, then went off to college, and I was working in hospitals every summer. So I was pre-med in college, I was a molecular biology major, and I went to hospitals every summer like a good little pre-med student um, to show how dedicated I was around this time, my mother started getting into nutrition a little bit. She was also pretty single-minded about the fact that she didn't want me to be as miserable as she had been her whole life. And so we started to make some dietary changes and take some vitamins. And I remember very distinctly asking some doctors at the hospital about vitamins. And they're like, oh, vitamins are a waste of time. They're a waste of your money. Uh, You're just, you know, you pee them out. The, the, The favorite expression of the time was, if you want expensive urine, take vitamins, meaning they went right through you and they did absolutely nothing for you, which of course now we know better, but that's what I was told at the time. And this was in contrast to my and my mother both actually feeling better and doing better physically with some vitamin and nutritional changes. So I was in a bit of a quandary um, from this, you know, dissenting opinion about about vitamins and nutrition. And I also, I was in, on I observed surgeries. I did a lot of things as a as a teen, and uh, I, I, you know, I didn't love the way the doctors talked about their patients behind their backs, you know, a woman, you know, an obese woman with diabetes, you know, saying, well, what does she expect? She's so darn fat, and You know, and and even when a body was, um, you know, in surgery under anesthesia, they they treated the body very roughly. And, you know, like, well, they couldn't feel it, so it didn't matter. And it's like, well, it still matters the person's going to become awake. And, you know, that rough handling is something that... um, you know, the person's going to notice. And I remember distinctly my mom having a, a surgery and she she woke up and the surgery had nothing to do with her arm, but her arm was killing her. And for days, because she had some major recuperation after the surgery, she kept saying to the nurse, my arm, my arm, my arm. And they're like, you know, your incision looks great, which is like, you know, in, at her back. And she kept saying, but my arm. Finally, one of the nurses says, oh, the doctor tends to lean on, on the patient's arm as he's doing surgery. Sorry about that. So she basically had a deep bone bruise of her arm because, you know, they just weren't respectful of her body. So this kind of all added up for me. And then I had two experiences that really changed my mind about becoming a medical doctor. And the first one was, um, I was following around a friend who uh, was becoming a doctor of osteopathy, and he was in his residency, so he was several years ahead of me, and we spent the weekend together. I was like, I want to know what it's like to be on call and just, you know, spend the whole weekend um, on call at the hospital and kind of what you do. So, you know, we're dressed in scrubs like him, and we (laughs) kind of just followed him around all weekend. Um, Saturday night, in the middle of the night, we were awakened because a gentleman was having trouble breathing. He was there for was called congestive heart failure. So his heart was failing and it couldn't pump blood very well and and it wasn't moving fluid in his body. So long story short, he was sort of gasping for air and really looked like he was at the edge of death. And um, my friend gave him a strong diuretic and that helped pull some liquid out of his body. And several hours later, he was up and, you know, breathing, uh, and, you know, alive. And my friend had said from the beginning of the weekend, our goal, nobody dies. That's, that's the only goal we have. Nobody dies this weekend. I'm like, okay, great. And so my friend was ecstatic. You know, this gentleman had survived the night and and he was, you know, going to be fine. Um, but he wasn't going to be fine. And so what happened for me was we had this moment of euphoria of, oh man, yay. You know, the guy's alive. And then, I had sort of a you know a a, a drop <laughs> of um energy after that because I I thought yeah but this not guy will never get his life back his his heart is half the size of his chest and he he's not really going to leave this hospital or if he does it it's not to go back to any life you know he he can't really he's not ambulatory he's not walking around he's not working he's not playing he's he's not having any fun in life because he is so severely ill and that's, that's going to be the end of him basically. So then I thought, but what, when could I have met this gentleman and made a change? Because now it's clearly too late. We're just sort of keeping him alive. But when, what was that point before the point of no return, right? When the heart still had the ability to heal and what were the, stressors, what were the injurious factors that came his way such that he got this way. And that was sort of the kernel of the idea that we now call root cause medicine. But it was that, you know, getting a hold of somebody before they were too far gone and really accessing the body's ability to heal so that was that was one point and then the second point was um, my junior year of college so this was the following year um over christmas vacation i got a really bad case of mononucleosis so called mono got very 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 sick and um actually missed probably three, four weeks of the new semester in January, and then went back to school. And so it was probably, you know, mid-February, it was a month after that. And I was seeing a chiropractor at the time, and he was uh, working on my low back. I was playing a lot of tennis, and my back had uh, really been acting up. And a friend said, oh, go see this chiropractor. I'd never seen a doctor of chiropractic before. So he was working my back, and it was really improving, which was great. And I remember I was lying on the table, and I wasn't paying any attention to the doctor at all. Who knows what I was thinking about, but I was just sort of lying on the table. And finally, he said, Vicki. And I went, what? He goes, what is wrong with your liver and your spleen? And I was like, my liver and my spleen. I went, oh, oh, oh yeah, I just recently had mono. I'm just getting over it. And those two organs can can get um, kind of inflamed from, from having mono, especially when you have a serious case, which I did. So he goes, Oh my goodness. Great. He said, I was so worried. I didn't know what was going on. And then all of a sudden I came out of my reverie and I went, wait a second. (laughs) How did you know that? (laughs) I said nothing to you about having mono. And he said, Oh, I was just checking some acupressure points and, and the one for the liver and the spleen were inflamed and, and I got concerned and I was like, okay, okay. Well, that's kind of interesting, so tell me more. So long story short, we, we had quite a conversation, and uh, of course, based on my own health issues, which I was still having, um, I was pretty fascinated about nutrition because I was a little bit better after making some of the changes my mom and I did. And so he was just telling me how In chiropractic school, you get a lot of nutrition uh, compared to medical school where still today they get almost none. Um, And and kind of that integration of working with the nervous system and the brain and the whole body. And I thought, wow, that's really more aligned with what I've had in mind health-wise. I don't want to just work in a hospital. It's kind of depressing and people are so ill and I really want to get a hold of people when I can really, really make an impact. So Um, It was really that that changed my mind and I decided to go to chiropractic school instead of medical school and couldn't be happier about that decision um, because it's allowed me to really create. A type of health care that didn't exist then now it's called functional medicine here at the clinic, we call it root cause medicine. But what it's all about is is getting to that root cause of why? Why is the body malfunctioning? What can we do to normalize it? And in most cases, it is really able to repair and my mom was a perfect example of this because by the time I became a clinician. She was in her late 60s and she had, you know, the health history of, you know, eight, eight different people's lives in one person. I mean, everything you can imagine that a human body could have gone through, this woman went through very, very ill her entire life. And here I was, you know, she's in her late 60s. I'm a new clinician and I'm like, okay, mom, let's make some changes and she, her body responded so well. She used to say her 70s and 80s were her best decades. She passed away at 93 of nothing but old age. She literally had no disease process. She was on no drugs, which, once again, if you knew her health history, is kind of amazing. So it was so great. I mean, of course, it was great to help my mom. But it was so amazing to appreciate how strong the human body is how its ability to repair is so available even somebody who had been so ill her entire life is turning 70 and 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 really making changes for the first time and and it worked you know she did beautifully she her her chronic migraines were gone. She never again passed out from low blood, um, no low blood pressure, uh, low blood sugar. Sorry, well low low blood pressure as well. Here, it gets so low you just literally pass out. Um, she had chronic constipation. She was fatigued. She had a lot of pain. All of these things went away, even though she was in her seventies and then eighties. So um, yeah, it was a it was a great lesson, and I've never I never have tired of seeing that in the body of how able it is to repair and of course i want that for for you as well so um i guess that's you know that kind of summates (laughs) my story and how i got involved uh with now what we call root cause medicine and it really just is about looking at each individual hearing their story hearing their health history sometimes utilizing genetics we do much more of that today um Here's an interesting story, Um, genetic testing. So I did my genetic test probably about a year ago now. and, And what was so interesting is I have the genes. You get these little snips, they're called, little defects from mom and dad. And I, you know, I have in my genetic profile, these genes that move me toward all of those things I mentioned earlier, that was wrong with me, but now is no longer wrong with me. So how is that? So, you know, you say, well, can you change your genes? And it's like, no, they're there. It's just whether they're burdened or unburdened. So, when I was younger, they were actually more burdened, like at age 17 through 25, they were more burdened than now at age 55. So it's um, that's also a beautiful thing that you can have this genetic inclination, which clearly I had. I was exactly like my mom, but it didn't mean I had to continue to be that way. So with nutrition and diet and everything we do here at the clinic I uh, that I do for everybody, early on, I did for myself, and I unburden my genes enough that I don't feel those effects anymore, if hopefully that makes sense. So um, what we're all about here is identifying your root cause. Why is your body not functioning the way you want it to? And I don't care if you have thyroid disease and every female in your, you know, family tree. I don't care if all the men have heart disease. It doesn't matter if you are willing to make some diet and lifestyle changes. I'm, you know, we're not miracle workers here. We can't just say poof, you're fine. Um, You have to work for it a bit. But if you're willing to make those changes, then I want to help. So yeah I hope you enjoyed I hope you enjoyed this. This is uh, as I said, the second of many podcasts to come, but you know, I know you want to be healthy. I know you're frustrated with how you're being treated with conventional medicine where either you're told, Listen, you're fine, this is you. this is how you're supposed to feel. It's normal to be tired, et cetera, et cetera, or yes, you have a problem. here's your drug, and that drug didn't work. Here's another drug. That's frustrating because that's not the way it should be. It should be, okay, you've got this and this and this. Let's find out why and normalize the function of your body naturally without the use of drugs or if drugs are used temporarily, like for high blood pressure, it's temporary until we actually get to the root cause. So I know that's what you want because... I hear it from hundreds of patients every single month and that's what I want for you too. So contact me and let's see how we can best help you.